Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio program, The Really Real Deal. And uh, we're having a little uh, difficulty reaching our guest, Rachel Reed, right now. Uh, as I said, it really was a really, really good book. And uh, just, you know, the, uh, the bonds that these uh, soldiers create with these dogs, it's, it's amazing. Not, and really not just the uh, quote-unquote official uh, dogs that the Army would, um, would, would, would procure and train, but um, sometimes just the dogs over there that are, are well, a stray dog, and particularly in Korea, a place where people were, were literally starving to death. I mean, the, uh, and, a, and a dog was, was much safer <laughs> Uh, among the soldiers, uh, they were going to be well fed. I mean, uh, some of the things I read about the, the heart rending nature of the deployment that the soldiers had in uh, in Korea to see the level of starvation and to have dogs that were better fed than the average person and to have people coming and rummaging through the garbage. Uh, at night, looking for scraps of meat. I mean, and, and I mean, rancid meat where it would have to brush maggots off, and uh, or even dog slobber, and and just literally eat the leftovers. And we're accustomed to dogs eating our leftovers. Imagine a nation where people are eating dog leftovers, and we have a people in this nation that want to say that all cultures are equal and that America is being arrogant. Uh, and, you know, and our most recent former president, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, was famous for this. He was famous for this, all this apologizing and, and going around the world and telling everyone that Americans are arrogant and we, we shouldn't think our, our culture is uh, better than any other culture. And... I mean, even one time, and it sounded like a, a sick joke that, you know, a fifth grader could have done better uh, when he said, when he, when he tried to tear down American exceptionalism. And by saying, well, what about Greek exceptionalism? What about French exceptionalism? American exceptionalism is a myth. I mean, this, this guy is ridiculous. And when you look at, the uh, the Korean War was a stalemate. It, you know, we didn't win it, we didn't lose it. As a is you know the fifty fourth parallel, the um, the the line of demarcation. It's it's still there, okay, and it's still to this day a um, a, a, a heated situation at that line. But if you are in an airplane, or if you look up a satellite image, and you you you're either looking at it online or you're flying over. Uh, that part of the world, it's stark, the difference is stark to look down and to see South Korea totally lit up and to see North Korea totally dark, okay? And so you're talking about, what, 60 years later, uh, ask a South Korean if there's such a thing as American exceptionalism, okay? You, you ask them if you want to know. And again, the, these are our soldiers, and what was it? Fifty-four thousand gave the ultimate sacrifice in Korea. No greater love than to lay down one's life for his for his brother. Okay, and it 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 boils my blood that with all this evidence out here of the greatness of this nation and that this is an exceptional nation. It is an exceptional nation, okay? It's not in the DNA. It's not in the air. It's not in the water, okay? People are people. Air is air. Water is water. Food is food. Fine, dandy, I get that. But there is something special and unique about this nation, and I'm not the, the world's greatest fan of uh, Colin Powell, but... I always give credit where credit is due. And Colin Powell said something very powerful and very profound uh, once 
under his tenure as Secretary of State. And he said, the unique thing about the American soldier is that after we defeat an enemy, the only amount of real estate we ever require is enough real estate to bury our dead. So we don't come to conquer. And that's unique in world history. It is unique, people. It is unique. And even... Our current president, Trump, was was uh, on a given a speech in Saudi Arabia. And and I can I can understand why Trump said what he said, that we don't come to lecture and no, we should not lecture. You know, we don't come to import our way of life. But the simple fact of the matter is, I think it would be a good thing to import certain aspects of our way of life. Because, again, ask the South Koreans if they are better off with the type of life they have today. I remember when the Kia was a little, uh, like a little piece of junk car. The, uh, not the Kia. What's that little Korean car? <laughs> Where the Kia is a Hyundai. That's it. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite movies, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, when, uh, the, um, when, the, when the character... Uh, comes in that makes all the money. He gives this big speech to the salesman there uh, to try to boost them up to go out and close more deals. And uh, he's laying it on this one guy who was played by Ed Harris. <laughs> he says, and Ed Harris is really angry at him because he's laying it on so heavy, calling them a bunch of losers because they can't sell, uh, they can't sell land and they can't make any money. And he's telling him about how he drove there in a $100,000 car. Now, this movie is probably, what, 20 years old? So a $100,000 car 20 years ago, that's quite a car. And, 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 and then he gets down in the guy's face, and he says, what did you drive here? A Hyundai. And, and, and the way he said it, the, the breath from his mouth blew the guy's hair. I mean, he was that close in his face. A Hyundai says, my watch costs more than your car. Well, folks, people are not laughing at Hyundais today, right? They are not laughing. The, the Hyundai is quite a car today. I think they even have a luxury edition of the Hyundai. And so contrast that with when our fighting men and women are in Korea. And there are people literally eating the scraps that the dogs did not eat. And as they as 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 was written in this book, the the average dog ate more in a day. They they basically ate they ate horse meat. Okay. And it was so cold they had to heat the horse meat up. I guess when they got it it was already cooked and they just needed to heat it up. And a lot of times the dogs would stay outdoors and their water would freeze. And so the soldiers would bring the dogs into their tents, take the frozen water, put it in their metal helmets, and melt the ice over the, um, over the fires, over the stoves. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's something. But anyway, I'm going on uh, too much about the book now. We, we're going we're gonna to wait and uh, reschedule the interview. And uh, but I just I just found it fascinating and, and particularly the part how sometimes these guys would uh, get a dog that was uh, like I said, it was a stray, a Korean stray. And, uh, and and how the dog would literally adopt the soldier, not the other way around. <laughs> OK, and, uh, I mean, because I mean, dogs were being eaten. I mean, people were so hungry that they'd eat anything, dog, cat, rat. I mean, any 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 animal that was moving uh, too slow to get away, he was subject to be doing the backstroke in a pan of gravy and onions. Okay, just like Obama's dog uh, did backstroke in a pan of gravy and onions uh, back when he was in Indonesia. At least according to Obama's um, autobiography that um, Bill Ayers wrote for him. Anyway. We're going to take our quarter to the hour break. And again, uh, if you'd like to call in on our special Memorial Day program, 
uh, share a remembrance of a, of a fallen comrade, of a fallen family, family member, uh, or even, even a, a shout out to a current uh, military member. Uh, the number here is 804-454-1366. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, TheFirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Welcome back to the program, Virginia, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live as we listen to a little bit of Des Ray there. You got to be bad. You got to be bold. You got to be wise. And folks, talk about being bad, bold, and wise. Okay, we finally got on the line here, uh, Rachel Reed, and uh, and I've been talking about uh, Rachel in this book, uh, K-9 Career, uh, here for the last uh, 15 or 20 minutes. And Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brother Craig, for having me on. I'm sorry about the scheduling conflict. Not a problem. These things happen, and uh, I just found the book so delightful. And, uh, you know, I've got my uh, my my ever-loyal uh, little Schnauzer Terrier Maximus is right here in the studio with me <laughs> under my feet. <laughs> they're wonderful, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're, they're very, very wonderful. And, uh you know, and this this is a a, a great book. Uh, ha, ha, have any movie studios approached you yet? <laughs> Not yet, but let's keep our fingers crossed. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. But um, you um, these these soldiers and these dogs. This um, the, the the fascinating thing I found about it was that originally families were sacrificing their dogs and sending them off uh, sort of like, you know, I will volunteer my dog. I mean, this one delightful story of this uh, elderly grandmother whose Doberman Pinscher would uh, uh, get to church. He would bolt out of the door and get to church before she did, and she was driving, and he'd be sitting right at her pew, and they thought, oh, he's such a protective dog. And so she sends this dog to the consternation of her grandson. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, share that little story real quick. Church dog. Well, you know, he was a uh, military working dog, um, uh, and he they used Doberman Pinschers quite a bit during World War II. So, so this was uh, during the World War II era. Um, yes, they donated, that family donated dogs, and they also, at the end of the war, um, rescued a dog or took a dog in that mm-hmm. um, had been donated by another family. And for whatever reason, we don't know if the handler was killed in action or was just unable to take the dog. 
a lot of times that's what they would do. Um, and for whatever reason, the family that donated the dog wasn't able to take it back. Yeah. So the dog had gotten aggressive, up. they say, and the uh, and the little grandson patiently waited for that dog to kind of come around because I, right. I understand that the way they train these dogs is that you have to have one master and that's your handler and all other humans are enemies. I mean, that's right. that's really uh, something powerful to think about, you know? Right, right. But, you know, one of the lessons that we did learn from that was, you know, we believed that for so long and we believed that uh, these dogs who were trained to be aggressive and to bond to only one handler um, we always believed that they couldn't be rehabilitated. However, we have seen in recent years that that is not necessarily the case mm. and that the human-dog bond is so incredible that that dogs are willing to meet us more than halfway. And um, when it comes to love and um, devotion, you know, it's unmatched by them. And that's, that's why God gave them to us, to be our, our best companions, our most loyal companions. And so somehow uh, God just works it out yeah, so that yeah. dogs um, are able to be rehabilitated. Of yeah. course, there are some who never can, mm-hmm. but, and, but a and Maximus, good deal of them can. Yeah, Maximus just said, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. <laughs> yeah, he knows. And uh, as a matter of fact, he was a rescue dog, and he was going to be put to sleep the very next right. day if he had not been rescued and right. uh, from what they call a high-kill dog pan uh, uh, uh. out in the mountains of North Carolina. So we, we're happy to have him. But, right. uh, you know, and, and, and the public has just responded. In 1945, at the end of the war, they, the request for taking in dogs was 15,000 more requests for dogs than they had dogs available. That's right. That says right. a lot about the, 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 the American people. And uh, now share the story of this. I was talking earlier about American exceptionalism and what our soldiers do and our soldiers being really literally ambassadors uh, for America around the world based on our conduct of war. We see now um, you you saw children being bombed in a in a club a few days ago, and then yesterday okay. a truck full of uh, Muslim gunmen gunned down 23 Christians in Egypt. And right. you contrast that with uh, you tell the story of uh, a soldier. I think the dog was Rex, and mm. the soldier, his name was, uh, what was his name? Broadway. And how there was this uh, Korean beyond the perimeter where he should not have been, and he gives him chance after chance after chance, even though he has something in his hand that he can't identify. So he's literally putting his own life at risk because he knows that if he lets Rex go, Rex is going to kill him. And he doesn't doesn't want to kill him. And so and the guy forces his hand, and he has to let Rex go, and Rex ends up killing the guy. Dies two days later. But right. but what are your thoughts on on that type of thing? The the uh, the the um, the American soldier not being this brutish animal, but having humanity. Right. Well, you know, uh, Broadway was and is a uh, faithful Christian man. Um, he had a faith in Christ. Um, the idea of murder and taking a life um, was a very difficult one for him. And the guys had a saying about the dogs. They would say, you know, that they would rather have uh, a dog by their side than even a pistol. And why is that? Well, because the dog don't miss. Um, So Broadway knew that if he let the dog go, that the dog was going to do what it had been trained to do. Um, a very, very difficult decision, and it weighed heavily on him. Mm. But as you find reading the story, um, it, it changed Broadway's life forever. And um, he does a really beautiful thing in the end with another dog um, that, and I don't want to give too much away about the story, but a beautiful thing that yeah. was Blind very Sam. redeeming. Yeah, yes. very, <laughs> very redeeming and grace-filled. And so um, it, it was kind of Broadway's, way of um, dealing with sometimes the necessary evils in mm-hmm. life and, and the I'm difficult sh- choices they have to make. Yeah, and I'm sure the uh, now the orphanage, I take it it was a Christian orphanage that yes. uh, Broadway was helping 
uh, yeah. helping out. Yeah. Right. And, uh, now, he could have gotten in serious trouble for doing what he did, but <laughs> you yeah. got to get the book, folks. It's, uh, I mean, particularly you dog lovers and you, you out there who love military history, uh, this book combines the two beautifully. And uh, it's, um, you know, the level of, we were talking earlier before you came on about the level of starvation and, mm-hmm. and the heart-wrenching uh, things that the men went through to be an eyewitness to human mm-hmm. beings eating the scraps from dogs rather mm-hmm. than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your yeah. thoughts on that? Um, well, you know, what I've found in my research is that uh, the Korean War truly was the forgotten war. And um, a lot of times when we think about it and we think about the sacrifices we ask those men and women to make, um, we don't think about um, how desperate that country was in and of itself. So you can imagine soldiers that are sent in to defend American interests and then being constantly torn between that, their their command, and their humanity. Um, it, it was just so important to me that, that this story get out to the public and that people become more aware of those sacrifices. Um, it's a difficult thing that we ask them to do, and they did it uh, brilliantly. Yeah. And they don't talk about it. I have uh, a great uncle. He's gone on to glory now, but he's the mm-hmm. one when I was a boy. He taught me how to shoot. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, at my first turkey shoot ever, uh, and I was about 14 years old, I came in second place. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was an Army Ranger, and, uh, you know, I did not know that, you know, he was one of these elite military guys until his funeral. Yeah. Yeah, and when I read about it, because they, they never talked about it. Yeah, the humility is amazing. And the American public wasn't quite ready for another conflict after World War II. And mm-hmm. sandwiched in between that and Vietnam, it just it, it's almost like we, we turned a blind eye because we didn't want to realize it was happening. But it very much was. There were men that sacrificed their lives and dogs that sacrificed their lives. Um, what a good weekend to remember that. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's time that their stories be told. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do a great job telling it, and uh, we appreciate your time today. And I know you have Thank another you. interview coming up at 11, so you go ahead and do that one and uh, and tell folks how they can get in touch with you and uh, how they can get this book, K-9 Korea. Well, you can always find me on Twitter. I am Air Force Rachel on Twitter. Um, you can look me up on Facebook as well. Um, and the, the book is available at Amazon. Um, you can find it at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. And if you're one of our service members who has access to a base exchange or a post exchange, uh, NEX, um, all of the AFI services seem to be carrying the book nationwide and maybe even throughout the world. I'm not sure. So um, the book is readily available. I would love it if people would pick up a copy. And talk with me about it. I'd love to talk about it. Okay. Well, I'll look you up, and maybe we can become Facebook friends. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah. This interview will be posted on my Facebook, so you can. Okay. uh, Actually, the the entire program will be. Yeah. All right. Great. God bless you. And uh, God bless. Yeah. Maybe we can talk again because I understand you also had a lot to say about uh, the Christian faith being spread around the world, and that's one of my favorite subjects as well as as a Christian yeah. uh, watchman on the wall. So thank right. you for that also. Right. Well, thank you. I'd love to talk more. All right. God bless you. God bless. All right. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, all right, folks, that was uh, Rachel Reed there, and, and again, the book, K-9 Korea. And uh, we probably have time for maybe a call uh, 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. And uh, we'd love to speak with uh, someone with some uh, experience with um, the uh, the military or with uh, dogs in the military, or if you'd just like to uh, send a shout-out or, or share a remembrance of a lost family member here as we commemorate uh, Memorial Day 2017. And um, and we are, uh, oh, Dad, how you doing there? Hi. Yes, birthday how coming up. 
I'm fantastic calling in all the way from California. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to thank you for those nice words about my birthday uh, and uh, parenting. I I don't have any special formula in parenting. I just try to do the right thing by my children. <laughs> <laughs> and try to help them out where I can, but I appreciate that. I just want to call and say thank you. Oh, God bless you, Dad. You're a true <laughs> champ, and uh, you know. And as I as I was saying earlier, you know, I grew up without a dad, and so having a father-in-law to call dad, it's like I had to, you know, become a middle-aged man before I got to say dad to somebody. So yeah, you know. Well, you know, I tell you that that is really an honor for me because I have no idea. Uh, what you saw in me to give me that kind of honor to call me dad. I just try to do what's right by my children and hope they grow up and be good citizens, and, and that's all well, I try they, to do. They are, and, uh, you know, my wife is wonderful, and uh, you're a big part of the reason for that. You know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're well, a good example thought... of being a, 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 a true Christian, too. You... You really demonstrate the love of Christ, and we need more people. Oh. You, we need more people to do that. We really do. Oh well, thank you very much. I thought I'd give you a quick call. I'm on my way out the door now to go to the park and share the gospel with anybody who wants to listen. And uh, that's my assignment. And uh, the Holy Spirit and I are going to get over there and take care of business. Okay. Well, you. So I thank you very much, and you have a good show today. All right. Thank you now. Bye bye. Bye bye. And we're gonna. Say hi to who do we have? We have Mary in Williamsburg. Mary, what's on your mind? Well, it's really funny, Craig. The uh, my question was how you feel about the statues being taken down. Oh, <laughs> and you just heard it. <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah, actually, I'd like to. I'd like to hear more. Do you think they should be taken down? No, look, it's history. Okay, I have I have many good friends that are members of these various uh, modern Confederate groups, and none of them are any type of a hate group. And what it is, Mary, is that to a lot of people in the Civil War, the, uh, the 13 colonies were originally 13 independent nations. And so if you lived in Virginia, you didn't consider yourself an American. You considered yourself a Virginian. If you lived in New York, you were a New Yorker. If you lived in Delaware or wherever, if you lived in Georgia, you were a Georgian. If you lived in Texas, you were a Texan. And it wasn't, you know, the, 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 the federal government was a creation of the states, not the other way around. And so people had a fidelity to their state. And so when, when, their, when their state gets attacked, they're defending their state. Okay, and so... The Confederate, uh, the Confederation of States, they actually literally had a legal right to secede. And I just wish that what could have had they listened to people and they did have Confederates that were against slavery, but they were way, way, way outnumbered. They just they were just outnumbered. And okay. this this idea that slavery was going to uh, die. Uh, die out anyway and but in the meantime we're going to benefit from it that was ugly that that was ugly but what is happening with modern times is that confederacy equals slavery slavery equals confederacy and it's is and it's been reduced to that and that alone because people do not study history they don't look at the um the the, the tax situation the um the, uh, the, the taxes per capita because taxes were paid on goods and most of the goods were grown where? In the, in the south. south. Right, right. Particularly cotton and tobacco, okay? Uh, they were cash crops. And so uh, there was, the income tax did not occur until 1913. And so the war was really over money, as most wars are. It was really over money. and But as Lincoln started as the north started out losing in the war uh they need they they latched on to the slavery issue uh, because that had more that had a moral imperative where taxation didn't 
okay, because the average person would say, well, rather than um, make all these sacrifices, just let them go and we'll, we'll raise our own taxes. That's what, uh, you know, the average person would say. But uh, the way the war ended is really the way the war should have started, in, in, in my estimation. It should have started. What do you mean? Well, I, I think it, it should have started out as an anti-slavery war. But, okay. it, but it started out as a war over money. Well, what exactly do you mean by that? Now, the South didn't want to pay the taxes anymore, or what? Well, once you secede, you take your tax base with you. Okay. Yeah, so they could not afford. Now, let's say it was in reverse. Let's say it was um, you had the South was paying less. They, maybe they're not pulling their weight tax-wise per capita. Maybe they say, okay, let them go. We're, we're stronger without them. But being that taxes per capita, uh, you had more money coming in and less revenue being expended. And uh, even today, Mary, you can look around the nation and there's an inequality of uh, taxation where certain states pay in so much tax and versus the amount of, for example, Alaska, a lot more money is spent in Alaska by the federal government than comes in from Alaska. But uh-huh. it, that's for strategic reason, reasons because it's near Russia. So e- even today, now I don't know all the breakdown of it, but it's, it's, it's not equal, the breakdown of, uh, of taxes. Even in, among demographic groups, the, the lie is often told that the rich don't pay taxes in the simple fact put out by the federal government itself. And I don't know why Republicans don't know how to do simple math and then articulate their findings that it, it's just it, it never ceases to amaze me the inability of the republican party to open its mouth and speak okay and uh right. i mean the bible says if you're a watchman on the wall you have to do what never stop speaking okay and uh they some of these guys never start talk about stop but this um a lot of people lost everything. Uh, the the war war is hell, is is an old saying. And so I think people just look at it more as okay. My great great grandfather, the farm got burned down. Um, the, the, the 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 terrible sword of going through the South, uh, just uh, burning everything up. It it was it was horrible. And so oh, yeah, it, the, on an individual level. There were no winners where the rubber met the road on the ground. And right. I think people are commemorating that. They're not hearkening for slavery. They're really not. But we're up against a hard break, Mary. And uh, thank you so much for the call. I'll, I'll cover it a little more on the other side of the break. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. And we have, uh, who do we have, Mike on the line? What, what's on your mic? What's on yeah, your yeah. mind, Mike? Before I make uh, my comment, uh, I want to say, how come Obama wasn't all concerned about what was going on with slavery in Africa? Why aren't these Democrats concerned with that? Because, see, this is the thing. It doesn't suit their purpose. Exactly. And see, the, the mistake we make, Mike, is we give these people the integrity of intentions and that we quite often we say, well, they don't understand or they don't get it or they're being emotional or they haven't figured out this, they haven't figured out that. And seeing the simple fact of the matter is, Mike, that these people, they know what they're doing, and this is, this is information war. This is strategic indirect warfare, the purpose of which is to drive a wedge between a population and its leadership. And in, yeah. and in well, this, that's right. That's right, Hatchet Man. And that's what the political correctness is all about. Yes. To have us it's so afraid to, for us to say anything about anything. Yeah, this it's is purposeful. all trying to destroy capitalism, and they're, try, they're attacking Christianity, too. Right. Because, see, they, everything in the, the 5C coalition, the Christian, conservative, constitutional, capitalistic coalition, the, the coalition of evil hates all of those things. They hate right. They hate Christian faith. They hate conservative. And now why would they hate conservative values? Because conservative values meaning means conserving 
the idea of America, which is rights come from God. That's what we're con people don't stop to ask when you say you are conservative. What are you conserving? We're not conserving riding in a horse and buggy because we're against the progress represented by the automobile. I mean, we're not conserving the idea that you should have a windmill grinding grain in your backyard. I mean, what are we conserving? We are conserving the, uh, the fundamental idea of America as a place where every human being is born with rights. And George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson were too humble to think that they had the power to grant you your rights, Mike, or to grant me my rights. Yeah. But that God Almighty had done that already and that they were not going to violate the first commandment and sit in the seat of God Almighty, but that they were, they were developing a government simply to defend the rights that we already have. And this is what Islam hates. This is what Democrat politicians hate. This is what poverty pimps hate. I'm going to tell you, Mike, this is actually what pulpit pimps hate. Do you ever, you ever know of a preacher that treats his church like a prison camp? <laughs> no, no. no. I, I have. They have these people as mental prisoners they grab them by the ankles and shake them up and down for money, and they, they don't have any mental freedom. And this is why so many people, they, when they're reared up in these type of uh, unchristian churches and they get the freedom to leave home, then they don't, you, you bring the true gospel to them and they don't want it because what they have is a facsimile of, of Christianity that is untrue that they grew up with and they think that all religion is bad. Uh, well, yeah, you got a point there. But you know, one thing I've often wondered about, of course, is we never know the answer to it. For over 150 years, we were a colony of England. Colonies. Yes. I wonder why England didn't outlaw slavery. Actually, England did outlaw slavery. They were the first. Okay. Well, I mean, they outlawed it in their country, but they didn't outlaw it in the colonies. The well, colonies, they didn't outlaw slavery in the Well, the northern colonies, they, uh, they, they didn't have slavery, but the they, South had they it. Out, they outlawed the slave trade, and what they wanted yeah. to do was allow it to die out by not having any new slaves come in. And so it was a saying that the most feared thing of uh, slave traders on the ocean was to see the Union Jack coming. And as yeah. a matter of fact, the, uh, a lot of the slave trading was done by... Uh, the Muslim slave traders, and they would, rather than have the British board their ship and take them to prison, they would throw the slaves overboard and just drown them all, feed them to the sharks. And um, it's just, it's, it's horrific, the, the, the role of the Muslim world in slavery, even up to this current day, yeah, Mike. It's, a, yeah, it's still going on. Yeah, yeah it's I still going that. on. Yeah, but even I, up to right now. And Obama has said nothing the Democrats have said nothing because the reason is that they want people to think that slavery is something unique to white Christian Americans and Republicans in particular. And so they hate this idea that I'm always trying to put out there that the Republican Party is more of a freedom party than the Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party really wants to take slavery worldwide and they, they, they want, they want um, slaves who are uh, like a modern slave. There's no chain on your, on your right. ankles and your, and your wrists. The chain is on your mind. Right, your mind is in chains. That's exactly yes. right. But what, but, and, and I've said this before. I don't know whether I've said it on your show before. When I see how we vote Republican and nothing seems to change, I'm yeah. seriously believing that the Republican Party has been infiltrated by the left and these people right now are pretending this like they're moderates. True. Well, see, this is why we have primary elections. See, we have a primary election right now. We have the, the, um, the, the blueberry tart, Ed Gillespie, okay? Now, why do I call Ed Gillespie a blueberry tart, Mike? Go ahead, tell me. I'm not going to vote for him, but you I, tell me why. I call him a blueberry tart because he's not toting a set of onions. He's uh. toting a set of blueberries. In this modern age of constant 24-7 political warfare over the airwaves, 
if you nominate anything other than an onion toter who is a watchman on the wall who can defend what you and I believe in, then when it's time to go up against the Democrat, what are they going to do, Mike? They're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. And see, he's going to apologize for being Republican. He's going to apologize for being Christian. He's going to apologize for being a conservative. He's going to apologize for being a capitalist. And all in, in, the, in the hopes that he doesn't offend anyone. Well, Mike, when I woke up this morning, I had offended half the country. <laughs> Just yes. because I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, I'm a capitalist, you can't get around offending people. That's right. That's right. And you're always, you know, they talk about racism. You will always have racism till always. the end of time. You Nothing, always. People you are know, imperfect. I'm not looking for any real improvements until Jesus comes again. Amen. Okay. Amen. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you for giving me the time. I enjoy <laughs> your show. Keep up the good work, and I know the Lord will guide you in the true path of light. Amen to that, brother. Thank okay. you so much, Have a Mike. good weekend. You too, now. Right. God Bye-bye. bless you. All right. We're going to take our final break of the day, folks, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the program If someone else would like to call in, we would love to have you. 804-454-1366. A man and his microphone. Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, the FirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here. And uh, James Brown is telling you right, folks, this really is a man's world. It's a reason why Ed Gillespie will not come on this radio program. He wouldn't come on and debate with uh, Corey Stewart and Frank Wagner. And, uh, And, folks, I'm telling you that you really, really, truly have to have an onion toter to go up against the Democrats. Because I'm telling you, I don't care who the uh, the uh, Democrats nominate, I call them Dr. Tom Perry Northam, okay? Because there's no difference between them except uh, Perriello is younger and more aggressive. Policy-wise, they're twins, okay? And I think they're going to nominate Perriello because they know that in this age that we live in, politics it's a man's world, okay? It's a man's world. It's not a world for a blueberry tart, okay? And uh, with that, before I get all hot and bothered here, <laughs> we're going to welcome Edison to the program. Edison, what's on your mind, brother? How do you do, sir? I I'm fantastic. Thank- I want to thank you so much for your uh, radio show. Uh, I started listening to it about a year ago, and uh, I went through a real bad time. My mother passed away, and oh, I just uh, I was God looking for something you. to... 
I was looking for, thank you. I was looking for something to uh, to hold on to, and uh, I listened to you. And uh, you know, I, uh, I'm you know, I, I'm. They say once a marine, always a marine. Amen. I'm a marine. All and right. And I'll tell you, one thing we don't do: we don't leave our dead, and we don't leave our living. We have a saying: "Simplified Dallas, always mm-hmm. faithful, always." And faithful. we believe it. And I want to thank you for you. I've learned so much. I, you know, I never thought about the flag, those flags. Uh, I, I don't. Um, I'm an American, but I never thought about the things you teach. I'd love to see the next time I talk to Mark Levin or um, there's another radio show host. Uh, I know a colleague of mine that, uh, that's mm-hmm. in New York City. I'd love to see you guys get on the nation circuit and, and be able to talk. I, 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 if you can educate a guy like me here in, in a local level, imagine to me what I, w- I would love to see you guys in, into a discussion. Well, Look, God I will let you, you go. God yes. bless you. From, Thank from you so much lips, for what you do. From your You're lips to God's man. ears, I would love to be uh, uh, Mark Levin. I greatly admire Mark Levin, and I'm telling you, that's uh, he's a wonderful very, guy. He he is. He's smart. He articulates well with with passion, and um, and he's fearless. He's an onion toter. He's not toting a set of blueberries. He's not toting a set of kumquats. He's toting a set of onions, okay? And I mean shown enough onions, okay? Country boy onions. <laughs> God bless you, sir. Have God a good one. God bless you, too. Thank you for your Thank kind you, words. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was very, very kind of, uh, of Edison to say. And um, so I just, I just pray that God would continue to comfort you, Edison, uh, in the loss of your mother. And, uh, you know, and, and apparently uh, your mother instill some wonderful qualities in you and uh, you're going to always have that and uh, we have a few more minutes to take in one or two more phone calls the number is 804-454-1366 804-454-1366 and um, you know we um, I was I was sharing that there's this term called strategic indirect warfare and it is not new the um sun tzu uh wrote um the art of war thousands of years ago and he said the greatest victory you ever win is the victory you win without firing a shot that's how old strategic indirect warfare is and so we we're at war folks just because bullets are not, are not flying, and in, in actuality, there are bullets flying. It's just not by armies. And uh, we want to say hi to Jim. Welcome to the program, Jim. Jim, you're on live. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was uh, listening to what you said about the flag and the statues and everything, and I'd like to add one other thing that I've observed in my 77 years of living on this earth as a Christian. One thing is, we had a lot of resentment fought between the blacks and the whites because of the carpetbaggers that came in from the north and put the ignorant black people in charge and got them to take stuff from the white people, calling the, causing the hostility we still have today. Okay. I like your so, I like your thoughts on that. Now, don't hang up. Don't don't go anywhere. I want to. I, I want you to clarify that statement, put the ignorant black people in charge. Clarify that, please. Well, you know, I, 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 I study history a lot, and I've as, often as wondered why there, was, why there was so much dislike between whites and blacks. I'm, I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, and my mother taught me some stuff when I was real young about right and wrong and that there's no difference between black and white. We bleed red. To include, okay, to include ignorance, one would presume. Islam? No, to include ignorance. Yes, ignorance. Well, the blacks were ignorant. That's why they took advantage of them. And and now were, were the whites ignorant? Ah, some of them were ignorant, especially down deep in the South. Oh, they okay. Really, so they then, weren't really highly educated. Okay, so then why not just say ignorant people? Why Why would you say ignorant black people? 
because I think the 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 North wanted to create a hostility between the two, the black and the white race, to give them more control over all the Jim, people in the South. Jim, be, just because something, just because you have hostility does not mean that that was an, an exact plan. I think you're way off base. I wish I had more time to delve into this, but we, we're right at the end of the program. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe you can try us back next week. But um, I, 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 I think there's, you know, there's a lot of room for uh, for growth in your in your understanding of history. But, uh, well, you know, we'll, I'm, we'll, always we'll, willing to, I'm always willing to learn, sir. Oh, well, that's good. That's that's the only cure for ignorance is learning. So God I bless know, you. Enjoy your weekend, Jim. Thank you kindly. All right. Bye now. Well, all right, folks, that's been a um, pretty good program here. And uh, as we as we uh, honor our our um, fallen soldiers and particularly the, the families that they leave behind. And uh, and again, as we started out the program uh, with the playing of taps, we, we close it out with a little bit of Lee Greenwood here. And uh, we just pray that as you. Uh, go to the beach as you go to the picnic as you go and uh, enjoy the weekend and the beginning of summer that you uh, send a prayer to the families uh, that sacrifice along with our soldiers that make all of your and my and our uh, celebrating possible and in the meantime enjoy yourselves uh, be safe uh, be alert. Uh, the, the Islamic State has, has, has told their minions to attack people over the holiday. And uh, so just uh, be alert. Uh, be safe. We want to see you next week right here, folks. Same hatchet time. Same hatchet station. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Where there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American Cause there ain't no doubt I